0: Going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR.
1: Good Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a nice long weekend. It was a chilly long weekend, but it was kind of nice to be able to, well, maybe have nothing on your calendar. So hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. This is a conversation that, well, I'd like to say it started last week, but it's the same conversation we've had any time. There has been a tragic shooting, well, primarily, it seems, in the U.S. in the last recent years, and it happened again on our Friday free-for-all. I had people calling and saying, you know, the tragedy in Florida is because of violent video games, the violence that we watch on TV. And at the time, I said, you know... We've heard this before, and I didn't have the facts to say, no, that has been discounted. Any of those claims has not been backed up with research. But fortunately, we have an expert who has written about this, has researched this. Chris Ferguson, professor of psychology, Stetson University, joins us today. Hello, Professor Ferguson.
0: Hi, it's great to be on today.
1: I mean, it was tragic. Obviously, you as an American would be uh, pretty upset about what happened in Florida. Were you surprised, though, right away? It seems we have that knee-jerk reaction of it's because of violent video games that this happened.
0: No, it it certainly is a common theme that comes up, uh, particularly when a a perpetrator is a young male. And you can kind of see how this works in the United States and and other places where, you know, unfortunately, over the last year, we've had a few high-profile shootings, um, some that were committed by older men, some that were committed by younger men or or boys. Uh, So you can kind of contrast the shooting in Las Vegas back in October, for instance, which was perpetrated by a 50-something-year-old male. And in that case, nobody talked about video games really at all, uh, for the most part. And when the shooter is a younger male, as is the case with the Florida shooting this uh, past week, uh, that tends to be when we see video games uh, getting brought up quite a bit. So it seems to be something that we particularly see um, when the perpetrator of a violent act is a young male. Um, and of course, that ignores the fact that uh, you know, almost all young males play violent video games or watch violent TV or violent movies. And, you know, obviously the vast majority of them do not engage in violent criminal acts.
1: Well, and that's exactly what I was saying last week. I mean, we have Canadian kids who have been playing video games and we still don't have the same number of shootings that the U.S. is dealing with. Where do you think this all began, Chris? Because I feel I've been in the media for 30 years. I feel like I've, (laughs) I've heard this for almost 30 years or maybe the advent of video
0: games. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, this, this really kind of traces back all the way through history. I mean, you can actually see, or read, obviously, read accounts of even the uh, you know ancient Athenians talking about Greek plays, the same plays we now force kids to to read in, in high school, kind of talking about them in the same way. The idea that you know exposure to media is desensitizing or causes delinquency or other types of, of issues. So it's kind of an old story, and we've seen it throughout the 20th century in the West. You know, with everything from Elvis Presley and comic books in the 1950s to rock music in the 80s and Dungeons and Dragons and now onto video games. And of course, we're seeing even more now with, you know, smartphones and social media. So it's just kind of this ongoing cycle. We tend to see that, uh, you know, particularly for, you know, older adults, older adults tend to look for things that are wrong with younger generations and can explain you know, why they perceive, sometimes inaccurately, that younger generations are worse than they themselves were when, you know, they were young. So, you So in the United States, of course, uh, you know, And I'm speaking as a parent myself, it's, it's intimidating, this idea that we could send our kids to school and not get them back. Um, and so coming up with a rationalization that, oh, there are these you know video games or movies or whatever else, that if we could just wave a magic wand and get rid of those, that would make this whole problem go away, kind of gives us an illusion of, uh, of, of control. And, and, of course, this is all compl- you know, made more complicated in the United States given the debates over gun violence violence and, or gun control, really, um, that we're seeing happening as well. That you know, in, in the comments, at least in this last week, that have been raised, there haven't been that many, but there have been some comments about violent video games and, and violent media, but most of them have been raised on the right. You know? So most of them are coming from politicians um, who have opposed gun control in the past. So this seems to be kind of a conscious effort to shift the narrative away from gun control onto things like violent video games or violent movies.
1: However, I look to people like you for research, and that's the other thing is we, you know, it was a number of years ago that some research came out there, and it was a great headline about the connection, and then you know that a few years goes by, and you've done your own research, Mm -hmm. so somewhere in there, was there a nugget of researchers saying there is a connection, and people ran with that?
0: Oh, yeah, sure, definitely. This this has been something that's been going on again for decades, really kind of tracing back to television violence and and some of the research that was done in in the 1970s. So, I mean, and there's really been this kind of core group of scholars that kind of trace way back to the 1970s um, and 1980s that have really been... You know advocates for this idea that there's this kind of you know, the causal effect for violent media on aggression and violent behavior in society and you sometimes can see some of these individuals make really kind of outrageous claims like the effects are similar to smoking and lung cancer or as much as 30% of societal violence would just go away if we could only get rid of violent movies and violent television and violent video games um, you know and such and, and it turns out particularly some more recent analyses that this appears to be a you know a, a minority voice. Voice, but it was a very loud minority voice, and some of the recent studies suggest only about you know ten to fifteen percent of scholars really believe that you know violent media, violent video games are contributing to violence you know in society. Um, But it was a very loud voice and very influential for a while, and it was really only in the early to mid two thousands that sort of the culture of the uh, research field you know changed, and it kind of changed a lot. You know, psychology in general kind of changed in a lot of ways because we became aware that there were a lot of things that we were saying that actually were proving very difficult to replicate. We're really going through sort of a wide replication crisis in Mm -hmm. psychology. And and this belief that media violence contributes to aggression or contributes to violence in society seems to be one part of that larger reanalysis of how we've done scholarship in the, the psychological sciences. So I think we're seeing a real you know, realignment or recalibration of, of how we're doing research and the things we're telling the public, uh, especially about these kind of like morally laden topics like media facts.
1: Well, and uh, you've done your own research. I mean, you've looked very closely at, what was it, over 100 studies just to uh-huh. see if there was any connection, whether or not video games, violent video games could predict or can't predict youth aggression. And so Uh when you mulled over all those or looked at all those studies, you you came to a, a conclusion then?
0: Yeah, there there really wasn't, you know, any any evidence from these studies that playing violent video games was contributing to uh, aggressive behavior or violent behavior among youth, uh, nor was it making them less empathic or less pro-social uh, towards other individuals. So there really it wasn't this clear, you know, body of research that would support these kinds of beliefs that we have. Now, you sometimes do find like individual differences between studies. So you know, you may find a few studies that suggest that these effects exist. And and one of the things seems to happen is that they sometimes get more news attention. That was actually one of the analyses we did is that sometimes the bad news gets more news media attention um, than does the good news. And that can sometimes leave in the public imagination that there's more evidence to support these kind of scary beliefs than there actually uh, there actually is, but yeah, the, the really the bottom line is certainly when we're talking about like violent crimes or bullying or assaults or things like that. There really doesn't seem to be evidence to suggest that um, you know playing violent video games or watching violent movies is contributing to these sorts of problems in society. Even if you look at data on school shooters or you know mass homicide perpetrators, there does not seem to be this evidence that uh, you know as a group these are individuals who are particularly inclined to play more violent video games or watch more violent movies compared to other males of, of their age. If anything, they, they, some of the data suggests they may actually be less interested in violent media than our uh, typical males, but that's you know, still somewhat debatable yeah. um, you know, information.
1: Chris, I want to take a break here. Can I have you for a few more minutes? You sure can. Chris Ferguson, he's a professor of psychology, Stetson University. Uh, Looking at, he's reviewed the research when it comes to, is there any connection between these shooters and uh, violent video games? No. So we can't keep throwing that one out there. Although after the break, I do want to talk to Chris, though, if there is anything that we can try to figure out when we've got such a body of evidence with all the different shootings in the U.S. Is there anything that ties them together? We'll find out after this. A few more minutes here with Professor Ferguson, Chris Ferguson, Professor of Psychology, Stetson University. And we were just talking with Professor Ferguson about the fact that we have to end this debate about video games and violence. And after he did, uh, in 2015, a meta-analysis examining over 100 studies on the subject, found that video, violent video games had little impact on kids' aggression, mood, or helping behavior or grades. Chris, and, and I know this isn't your area of expertise, but maybe you can even throw out some ideas here because we have had so many mass shootings in the U.S. And and I've read recently, if there's anything we can look at, can we even look at the family background of the shooters? Have you heard that if there's any connection with that?
0: Yeah, we, we, there has been a fair amount of research on you know this group of individuals that that criminologists tend to call sort of mass homicide perpetrators. Uh, and it's important to point out it's a little bit distinct from you know, the way that oftentimes we hear about mass shooters. You know, mass shooters are a fairly broad category of crimes. Uh, mass homicide perpetrators are kind of like the guy in Las Vegas and the you know the uh, young male in Florida. Um, that are sort of carrying these military strikes out on, on schools or churches or places of business and such. Uh, what we kind of find is, you know, across these individuals, there really are sort of three similarities. And one is, and it's a very small group of people, which is the good news, um, but they almost all have some background of mental health issues, whether that's psychosis or um, suicidal depression. Now, now, that's not true necessarily for Violence more generally, but for this particular group of individuals, uh, they almost universally have a history of mental health problems. Um, they also tend to have a history of antisocial personality, so they usually have long-standing issues with rage and anger and aggression uh, and things like that. Uh, and third, they tend to view themselves as being victims of society in one way or another. They tend to view themselves as having been screwed by some other group of people. So it's that kind of dangerous combination of you know they themselves being Ready to end their lives, but wanting to take a bunch of other people with them, uh, that kind of creates this, you know, particular type of, of, of mentality. Now, you know, again, the, the, the I don't know if there's good news exactly, but sort of the, the, the optimistic side is that even though this happens way too often in the United States. That particular group of individuals still remains a fairly rare group of individuals, and and you know, mass shootings are still a fairly rare, you know, crime. But, you know, the good news for the U.S. is that overall violence is actually down from where it was 25 years ago. Uh, it was kind of Ticked back up a little bit in the last couple of years, but um, you know, but these particular incidences are, you know, people are kind of taking a close look at them and seeing if they may may actually be occurring more often, or if they're simply their bi- body counts are a little bit higher than they have been in the past. Um, but usually, it's, there's an intersection of mental health uh, issues with just the ready availability of guns, you know, that we have, um, you know, in this country. So, sort of tackling this as an issue um, you know, really is gonna require people to sort of recognize that there is this kind of intersection between mental health and gun availability. Um and people are gonna have to be able to dialogue across that and compromise on some issues which, you know, naturally if you've been following Politics in the U.S. we're not really good at um, you know, right now. So it's, it's a, I think it's a difficult conversation for both the left and the right to have because on the one hand, the right don't really want to talk about gun control. The left don't really want to talk about mental health. But really both are sort of involved as an issue for this particular type of uh, crime.
1: Well, and even when we uh, read about the young man who was responsible for the Florida shooting, he obtained his gun legally and the form just had to, I, I don't know what, how he had to prove that he was of sound mental health, but, you know, we talk about, well, you have to address the, the mental health issue and maybe gun advocates are saying we are addressing that. The, in order to buy that AR-15, he had to prove that he was sound mentally and I don't know exactly what that meant, but maybe it just wasn't wasn't enough, obviously.
0: Yeah, it obviously wasn't enough in this particular situation because, it, you know, at least from the accounts that are coming out so far, it does appear that this individual did have some issues with mental health uh, prior to uh, the shooting, and he was a, you know, a known entity at the school, and and, and has some other issues, um, you know, as well. I mean, it, it remains the case that it's, you know, compared to other countries, certainly it's it's quite easy to get a firearm in in the United States. I mean, there are certain background checks that that, that happen. Um, but of course people talk about there are certain loopholes for those background checks as well Um, so it is fairly easy to get a firearm you know in you know in in the U.S. and you know that may be something that um, I, I mean. I think the challenge in the U.S. is, of course, people also are very suspicious of the federal government. So anytime people start talking about you know taking rights away, it makes people very defensive. And so if if we you know give the government the ability to control our access to firearms, well, what next? Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have in 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 the U.S. That you know, for people that come from Europe or perhaps also Canada, you know, may not. You know, be able to sort of tap into that mentality. Uh, so even though it certainly seems self-destructive to people outside the U.S., and I, and I certainly understand that, um, you know, that, that mentality of suspiciousness towards the government in general, I think, is what's driving a lot of the resistance uh, towards, you know, I, I think, you know, if you just ask the majority of Americans, they probably would say, yeah, we don't want people with, you know, chronic mental illness to get access to AR-15s, you know, and, you know, people who have, you know, engaged in domestic violence or who have other criminal histories that are significant. But, you know, I think you probably actually do find a fair amount of agreement on a lot of those points among you know most Americans. It's just a matter of well how do we then sort yeah. of turn that over to government control and trust the government that they're not going to then expand their control over other issues and you know so yeah. i'm I'm not saying I agree with that i'm just saying I, I'm just trying to kind of explain the mentality that a lot of Americans have around you know what from my colleagues in Canada and Europe tend to say, see as a very common sense thing. Yeah. So we should just get rid of guns, I you know, obviously. Um, it, but we, we know it's a different
1: culture for sure, Chris. I, and thanks yeah. so much for having the conversation. I'm just glad I was able to bring you on to talk about no connection between violent video games and violence. Thanks so much.
0: Oh, th- It was great to be on. Be happy to be on any time.
1: You bet. Chris Ferguson, professor of psychology, Stetson University. I do have a couple of phone calls as well, but I want to take a break for news. And I've got some texts coming in as well. I do want to switch topics, but I want you to have your chance to share your opinion as well. And we'll we'll do that after the news. 4035. What is it? I've been on holidays for 4039748255. See what happens when I get four days off. We're back after this.